0: be a winner if you go to the Golden Ticket sweepstakes. So check it out, onitcom slash golden ticket, and then enter the code and fill in the entry form. There's gonna be a grand prize for one of you, which is gonna be a trip out here to Austin and onit an HQ. So you'll be able to come hang at the HQ and do all the awesome onit things. So definitely check it out. Go to onitcom slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of Alpha Brain.
1: What's up everybody? Welcome to the Aubrey Marcus Podcast. <laughs> this is a banner day a momentous day day. because so what none of you know is that there's a missing podcast well some of you might know it because the very first podcast starts with number two why why is that you might ask because for the very first podcast i asked my good longtime friend ck chin who's here with me right now i asked him to come over and record the very first podcast well, we put the microphones backwards on that podcast, <laughs> yeah. so it sounded like garbled gobbledygook. Yeah, like so, they were catching a hidden recording of us talking in the other room. Right. Like it was like some right. sort of secret. Yeah, like, like a phone tab through the walls. That's so, right. It was some awesome. Some fucking secret shit. So we didn't ever post that, so that's lost, lost to the world. But now, finally... It's out there somewhere. Somebody get, on the internet has it. it. But now, finally, we get to go... And, and have uh, a real one and do this for real so welcome my friend it's a pleasure to have you one of the most hard-working dudes you uh owner of a current restaurant swift's attic about to open another one um woo chow i'm fucking stoked about that yeah, too You are too everywhere you're at is like my favorite place to eat of all time <laughs> and uh, we always have great conversations a good laugh so yeah, for sure um glad to have you here brother man i'm glad to be here and another thing too auburn Marcus podcast just crossed a million downloads that's what? cool first podcast Man. since we crossed a million downloads this is like a lot of shit going on it right is. is it is the timing it's a, it's is a right. banner day it is a banner day. banner day that's awesome yeah for sure well let's go in a little bit because one of the things that i think i started off talking about that last podcast for you is i appreciate anybody who takes whatever they do to the level of greatness you know they just go all in on that shit and that's something that you've exemplified every time i've seen you you know show up and do what you're doing and it happens to be the restaurant business but you know where did that come from and you know what is your general philosophy on that that allows you to get there you know i think that there's
2: there's something to be said about finding what you want to be great at first um you know I, every day i think about when i go to work and the hours that i work and and if i happen to meet up somebody later on and they're getting off work there's I don't realize how blessed I am, how lucky I am that when I speak of work, it comes with such a positive connotation. Like mm-hmm. if I tell somebody that I was at the office till late last night, it doesn't come with a burden that says I was at the office late last night. What a like, woe is me Yeah, working for some schmuck. Exactly. Well, even if it wasn't if, even if it was working for someone, I mean, I I listen to some of you know your employees that come by and sure. say they love working on it. And those guys, and I'm not buttering you up by the way. I'm legit. And it's saying that somebody that can look and leave their job and say that I respect who I work for, I respect what I do. He's helping me, Juan, for instance, he's helping him develop a, you know, a branding of his own mm-hmm. underneath an umbrella that you've provided. It it allows you to be passionate about it as com- as a p- composed, as composed as that thought is as you've put together, you've allowed other people to kind of blossom. Sure, of and so there's a some there's a thought process that says for me. I don't think a lot of people take the time to find what they want to be great at you know Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of the idea that has the mentality that says that there's two you have to work at a job to make money and then you have your passions on the side and never the two shall meet and i think that you know i i took what that cliche guidance counselor probably told me in fourth grade and figure out what you'd be willing to do for free and then you'll never work a day in your life type of thing and and I took it to heart and I just realized like what am I good at and what do I enjoy and it all like lined up with taking care of people and having great conversations and meeting great people and networking with people and all these things had a common passion which was I just love to eat and so at yeah. <laughs> the end you know I mean wu is a perfect example it came from completely selfish terms which is I've been in Austin for 12 years I don't know where I can go get really good Chinese food, so I said, you know, I'm open my for own. people
1: who are just listening, CK's Chinese as fuck.
2: Yeah, I'm aggressively Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overtly, as they call it, I'm overtly Chinese. There's no hidden Chinese about it. Other than the fact, if you told me there, I'm 6'5", yeah, they're like, wait, true. wait, wait,
1: what? But, you know, otherwise... I mean, people yeah. see Yao Ming in this era, though, <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. it's not like the old days. That's true, that's not, know? that's true. But... uh yeah, so I, I really like what you're saying and how you're describing it because you found a, what, I, what I would call the vocation. And the vocation is you know running restaurants, but that it combined a lot of your passions and it's in line with some of your mission, which is to create... Um, You know, Well, you can describe your own mission, but that's to me the three areas that you look at. You look at your mission, like what you want to leave the world as, what you want your impact to be. And then you look at your passions, what you enjoy doing, and then you try and find a vocation that's going to be the bridge between those. Hopefully it accesses your passions, but maybe your passion is something that definitely can't make you money. That's cool too, but at least your vocation should serve your mission at the very least. And and you found that in, in running a restaurant. It's just kind of combined many things which is same for me i have found it in running this company and i also think you make a good point you know it's not about whether you work for someone or be an entrepreneur there's so many people in these kind of business self-help things that it's all about entrepreneurship like they put that up as the ultimate pedestal and that's great you know it has its pluses and has its minuses but if you're plugged into a movement and a shared mission of something you believe in that's great too you know it's not not that so look, everybody needs to be CEO of their own thing you not, know. not
2: everyone is suited for it I mean to be completely honest there's a there's a certain degree of insanity that comes from running your own business I think there's a there's a degree of what I was called that you're, you're you're treading the line of arrogance and confidence and a degree of just blind faith in yourself because like for me, I mean, restaurant is one of the most highly failed businesses out there. I don't know if it, it might be the next to you know drug dealing or something that you get. That is
1: super successful. What yeah, do you but mean? But people get <laughs> shut down instantaneously, yeah, like randomly. But at least they make money first. That's true. That's true. Restaurants right. never make money that's and then true. get shut down. Yeah.
2: And, and so there's, a, there's an idea that says that. I look at that and stare in the face of it and says, "Well, yeah, but I'm not gonna fail." Yeah. Or either that, or I'm not scared to fail. There's a, there's a, there's, I think there's a difference. I'm not. I'm not scared to fail at this point. I just, I have enough confidence in myself that I think I know what I'm doing.
1: Scared to fail is such an interesting thing because I think there's as equal, if not greater a scared to succeed type of thing. And I was trying to track that, but it really all goes back to a fear of failure. But what to me, what I found when I really tracked that deeper, like why people are afraid of that, it's like people are afraid of not just failing, but failing when they really go all in. Like when they've put a 100% into it and then they fail, that's what they're really afraid of. So in a relationship, people will hold back some of their emotions like, I wasn't really all in it anyway, so if it fails, it goes down. And, right. in, and in business endeavors, they'll put you know some of their resources in it, but they'll be hedging their bets a little bit. That way, ah, you know, I was just trying it out and learned a few things. Right. But what's terrifying for people is going all in and failing right. at at 100%. But the, the the irony is you can't succeed unless you go 100%. 100%. And
2: and the thing about it is you, well you can't succeed at the level that in your mind you would like to succeed at. Yeah. You know, or, or when somebody describes success. And when you're going to going back to your point about not everyone is be- meant to be a CEO, it's you know, I have a skill set. We all have skill sets and the idea is to say that what skill set can we come together with to com- to create a company and share that i mean i think there's a degree of for me at least for my company of i had to slough off a lot of ego because Uh there was saying that there isn't there is some talent in being able to convince good people to come work with me but by and large you know i'm a coach trying to coordinate this kind of orchestra of 1900 moving parts and so you have to recognize that um, even though I'm directing it, there are people who are just equally, if not more valuable, to no to make this work. And you know, yeah, and the
1: difficult. CEO is a position of service, and I the think service. a lot of people get that all fucked up. I mean, right. we're here at service to the organization and to all of the employees that are a part of it. You know, and I think they get it the other way, and and it's a mutual, it's a mutual feedback loop. But I think that a lot of people forget that, and it's it's not that maybe you aren't cut out to be CEO. It's just maybe that's not your best vocation that's That's not the best thing that you're most suited at sure you could you could but do you want that you know is that going to help you the most is that kind of stress and pressure 24 7 are you going to be able to to be able to handle that because you know when you're in that position it's the shit's relentless i mean i i know for for many years you had four days off a year (laughs) literally four you you (laughs) permitted yourself one day off per season yes. and it was like ck's off day and then the yeah. whole everybody get excited it's yeah, like you throw a party we throw a party yeah, yeah. we choose a color a theme and yeah. you throw a party for your one day off Except by throwing a party on your one day off, you were actually not off at all. Yeah, work because you yeah. were working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You shaking just, hands. You were just yeah, you were just talking and doing your thing, networking, and it became a networking yeah. event. So you pretty much had zero days off <laughs> yeah. for like ten fucking years. Now finally at least I see you out and you're like seeing some shows and stuff and right. and then and getting a few days. But that was the grind phase. You know, that was establishing yeah. yourself as one of the best restaurateurs in you know in austin and, and around and now you've actually been on tv and shit you got a blue check mark by your name fancy <laughs> We're trying shit. we're trying you know so it's all of that has all of that has paid off and you know i remember you came to me and you were excited when you paid off all your investors in the restaurant it's it's a success not only ostensibly but financially i mean you've really you've delivered And it,
2: it's and it's one of those things that it's still and i think this is the entrepreneurial spirit that you speak of and if you have this if anybody's listening has this then i advise you to go try it i mean mm-hmm. th- th- that's an itch that once it's scratched doesn't nothing feels better like right. it really is it's the idea of like being able to create something, like the idea of, you know, when I when I was doing a graphic design work back in college and seeing something that I made go into print or mm-hmm. having an idea, I mean, one of the first things, the most exciting part about when I was opening up Swift, the most recent one was, where something was sketched out on paper and I can still remember talking to my business partner, Stuart, about it and then that was over dinner and then that afternoon i came up with the name literally driving down the street to go hey what about swift's attic and that happened and then you know we got our sign and then it's kind of like every time you see it you go man i remember the day that I came up with that, and it was, and it's just magical to me. You know, it's something that's that the can. best
1: shit. It's the create, it's the creative process yeah. of it. The rest is, is, the, is, a, you know, it can be fun too. But for me, like, if I conceive of a product or conceive of the brand, like, I remember the conversations with Bodhi when I was talking about On It, yeah, and the name became On It. You know, and I was like, i am just let's just fucking call it On. I'll double the ends and make it a noun, and we'll fucking yeah. we'll roll with it. You know, yeah. these moments that that happen are are the real treasures or a that's product. Right where you know like our hemp force protein you know at first it was didn't have a name but it was a recipe and that was one I actually got to make in my kitchen it was cocoa and it was hemp and I'm blending stuff it was coming out terrible people were tired I was wearing people out with my samples you know (laughs) Caitlin at the time was like no please no more protein samples it's disgusting you suck at this I was like no no I'm gonna figure this out out, and then one time I just did it and you take that first sip and it's like Oh, this is the pretty eureka good. Moment. Oh, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, this is pretty good. And That's then right. I start running around feeding it to neighbors. And yeah. You know, you have these moments and then now you see it packaged and it's in all these yeah. smoothies and selling, you know, around the world. Those are those are the cool parts of it. That's and right. then but then there's the the challenging parts of it too. I mean, you're at service to a lot of different employees, you're buffering a lot of Issues within the company. Anybody has problems, you're the sponge. Shit rolls uphill. In yeah, this business. <laughs> you you absorb it and you clean it yourself in that relationship before it goes back That's into. Right. It's like you're cleaning any oil spills that are going on with your own psyche. You know, like some of those things that people don't realize are the roles of a, of a good CEO like or any good. Leader. Leader. Yeah, I, I mean, you said it perfectly because so
2: this new restaurant, I'm trying to do authentic Chinese food with western level service that was always the caveat was you can go to pf chang's and get good service and a knowledgeable waiter and somebody come by taking care of you but it's American food yeah or you can go to your little mom and pop shop with a folding chair and the lady doesn't speak any english and come by and who knows what you're going to get to eat you're going to get half a glass of water you're never going to get another There's glass a place of water. like that in
1: san francisco
2: it's delicious it's delicious but you just have to understand yeah. that you know what like there's no there's no service involved to it and so It's funny, I I talked to my mother about it. Like my Chinese has gotten incredible because my chefs don't speak any English. (laughs) they, They literally speak no English. And I was like, I never knew how not Chinese I was until spending hours a day with some real Chinese people from China. <laughs> you know, I mean, the culture is different. There's a level of respect that's different. There's a there's a degree of, you know, of, of policy. I mean, these guys, I mean, I remember him coming up and talking to us about the their work conditions, you know, and they're asking me, like, you know, do you think it'd be possible for us to get him a desk so he doesn't have to sit on his bed to write stuff? And I'm just like, yeah, you <laughs> probably get yeah. you a desk. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, you know, and it's kind of, again, all the, every time I hear these things, I go, man like we're lucky to be here sure. you know and at the same time you know it's up to me in my opinion to really push that envelope and make sure that I'm taking care of these guys and because I you know I've told them since day one I'm like I'm looking long term like I'm you know I want I want you guys to be with me this is the team that helped me build this restaurant I yeah. named it after my grandmother I have a lot of weight to make this successful so you know uh, but your grandmother and Wu-Tang Clan or I, well, my grandmother <laughs> was named from the Wu-Tang I'm just kidding no um <laughs> The, yeah, exactly. My, my grandmother's last name is Wu, and uh, and so the whole thing. So that's is,
1: super coincidental.
2: Uh, yeah, the, the Wu Tang Clan. Actually, I bought her. A, we bought her a whole bunch of Wu Tang clothes one Christmas. <laughs> it was really <laughs> so awesome. So if you don't know, if
1: you don't know, CK is a huge Wu Tang fan. I'm a big. And Wu-Tang if you go, Wu-Tang. you go to his restaurant. It's huge. like amazing. You know, gourmet food, American style tapas, like done in a really creative way, and it's just. Badass old school hip hop plan, exactly. A group uh, in Houston, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such a cool juxtaposition. I mean, anytime anybody comes into town, I take them to Swifts. Yeah, for the food, for the drinks, for you, for the service, but also for that environment. That's yeah. just Wu Tang Clan
2: was just always this chimera, this like this blending of what I would consider my two cultures. You know, the the joke. I mean, there's a real famous uh, famous chef tv personality eddie wang that talks about being a rotten banana you know that's kind of like with you know having having this nice brown bruise black marks you know what i mean and so you know i have i'm deeply rooted in kind of hip-hop culture just because of my upbringing and everything but um you know i I just got a banana yellow (laughs) and it's got the brown i see i see i see what you're saying Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and so this idea is that um you know, the Wu Tang Clan was always for me. I'm like, yo, they're playing old Kung Fu clips. I know that movie, and then they're rapping over it. Like, yeah. this is dope, you know. And so, for me, it was always a thing. And then, you know, this year, they're coming to Fun 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 Fest. I had the the honor of of meeting Raekwon, the chef. Last South by Southwest, got in touch with their people. So we're trying to get them to come in and have dinner. And so <laughs> it's, it's gonna happen. It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Wu family forever. So we're trying to um tr- trying to make it happen. But it's just it's just one of those things that. I always thought it was funny that you go to a restaurant <clears throat> and you're not allowed to listen to the music that you were just listening to in your car for some reason, like everyone had to be toned it down. And it's kind of like what you were talking about, how you got to go all out yeah. to me. It was like, this is the music that i like to listen to. I, this is what I listen to when I'm at home eating by myself. Right. Like, why not, you yeah, know,
1: why it's, change it up? Why change it up some, yeah. to
2: meet some weird standard that nobody agreed to.
1: <clears throat> That's what, you know, with Black Swan Yoga, for example, which is one of our brands, that's one of the things that made them popular, and one of the things that we're continuing to push. We actually just got just got notification that we got Yoga Studio of the Year again here nice. in Austin. Nice, nice, Congrats. <coughs> thank you. And you know, one of the reasons is it's just we don't have to play this like ethereal new age kind of music and i'm i'm down i've played my fair share of ethereal new age music you know but it's not not like it's not like you need to like we'll play some hip-hop there we'll play some some dope tracks that really actually take that practice out of this you know kind of holy sacred thing and just make it real like yeah all right the breath can take you wherever you want it can be as sacred as you want but it doesn't mean we have to play at it Right, like we have to pretend that we're all. And it's whatever
2: centers you, you know. I mean, there's something, there's some music, even aggressively, what I would consider harsher music that centers me sometimes. You know, I mean, because it ties back to some memory. I remember reading an article the other day about the kind of if you really think about the concept of curse words, it's it's completely nonsense. Like we all decided that for some reason this word we shouldn't use this word. Yeah. And so when you hear it, you're just like, "Oh, and you still have this deeply rooted because when you were 3, someone and learning, shamed, someone shamed you only before. had 11 words in your head yeah. and one of them you're like, you never said that word." That that and that's what happens. So now you hear music and you're like, you can't hear you can't say that word. It's going to take you out of this spiritual zone. Like that word didn't exist when somebody was inventing yoga. Yeah. You know, nobody sit there and says, "You know what? When you say don't don't say this or don't listen to that." And and to me, that's always been a very weird thing to me where like hip-hop because we you get just kind of shamed or shunned for whatever reason and there and there is there is some something to be said about content but again it's like any other art it just takes you somewhere right and if it does, if it takes you a place you don't want to go then don't listen to it
1: and don't lump it all don't, don't lump, lump it all in together, together. it's oh, not the oh, same sure. thing you know That's it's right. it's funny they do like anytime they do a study on a certain type of music or something like that i'm like you can't fucking generalize it it's that piece of music like saying oh yeah heavy metal fucks up people's you know thing well what are you playing you know like are you playing some good shit are you playing that horrible shit and who are you
2: testing on
1: yeah exactly so it's such a it's it's art and if that art enhances your experience then great you know and it's just about and if you're cultivating an environment it's just about being able to read the general vibe of the environment and being able to plug something into that yeah, no doubt. Sure. So I want to go back. So we talked about some of the good reasons to be CEO and create something. Uh, that part of that creative process, part of building a movement, part of being of service, providing for different people. Um, obviously, satisfying your own vocation in in line with your own mission. All of the good reasons. And then there's some fucked up reasons to lead other people. And we, I, I told you, I wanted you to watch that documentary, Going Clear about um, Scientology or right. clear or whatever totally. going clear because there was some fucked up reasoning behind creating that. And I was kind of a little bit blind. I knew they were weirdos, but until I saw <laughs> that documentary, I had no idea the extent, like the extent. of just the human rights <clears throat> abuse and the manipulation of people's psyche mm-hmm. that was going on in the creation of this, You know, all the way from L. Ron Hubbard now to the new leader, Ms. Cavage. And it's if you haven't seen this documentary, it's unbelievable. Like right, you have your jaw
2: your jaw dropped half the time and shaking
1: your head the other half the time. Yeah, I mean it was really unreal. So I mean, basically, so the premise of Scientology, they created this system that somehow is like a very poor man's EEG type of system where it's measuring brainwave activity. You're, you
2: you speak to an auditor. Yeah, so you're reads- holding onto these
1: cans, which is super fucking weird anyways right. you hold on to these cans pass a current through you pass current through you and then it'll measure the mass of your thoughts and if you have density in your thoughts it means you have to let it go. speak it out right so this has been around confession has been around for a long time the right. catholics figured out early they on technology. that it makes people feel better when they tell their secrets because they're holding these things in they're guilty so you tell the priest you get absolved You know, by the priest, you get forgiven, and then you feel better. So that's a technique they use to make sure that the priest had a job, A, and that also they could apply something that, you know, made people feel better at the least. Well, so Scientology just adapted that and added some, you know, machinery, which is dubious at fucking best. (laughs) But where it gets really fucked up is then they keep records of all of the confessions, which are these audits. And then they use that shit to blackmail people. Yeah. It's and, like the most fucked up thing ever. And
2: it, and also it ties in the part that would intrigue me, honestly, was the financial aspect of it. That they tied in a, a growth. I grew up playing a lot of video games.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and I have a lot of friends who now make apps. And they always talk about everyone's looking for the next Candy Crush Angry Birds that does some $3 million a day because people... There, there's a point where there's a calculatable amount of money that you're willing to spend for your entertainment. And there are these things that are what they would consider achievements that if you're so close that that justifiable amount makes sense for you to play. Yeah. Like if you came up to me and asked me, hey, can you well, you want to pay me a dollar to play Candy Crush? I would say absolutely not. Right. But if I played it for free, and then there's this one level that's frustrating me, and then I see that if I pay a dollar... I'll be able to beat this level that level of achievement all of a sudden becomes worth it for you to pay that right the cost but opportunity cost is that. yeah so this idea of you saying that hey there's these courses that lets you go higher in this that gives these little micro yeah rewards. It's, this
1: pro- it's this progression so to back up a second like scientology has this progression where you go level to level the middle level being clear which should be the end level in theory in theory right yeah. so you're getting more and more clear and you get certifications and everything and you're oh paying Lord. the whole way up yeah. but you're not actually like really learning anything you're just Giving these auditors more information that they can use against you and fucking mind fuck you with later. Right. Right. So you're just confessing more secrets to, to the absolute worst people you want to give secrets to because they're going to manipulate with. Well, the
2: tenant of it was saying that you need to reserve these because it is a very aggressive belief structure that says that this belief structure, we need to defend aggressively this belief structure so if anybody attacks it rather than be defensive you attack back yeah it's a it's 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 viral like it, it feels it feels like in a biological sense you know there's there's some things that just go by and and decompose and then there's some things that go out and attack like yeah. and this is that it it's like if it something prods at it rather than becoming defensive
1: it, it, it strikes back it goes on the offense yeah. yeah and then actually so besides getting clear then it gets into super weird there's xenu the overlord this dude was a science fiction writer and he wrote some fucking and wacky he, shit and he
2: holds the Guinness world book of records for the most
1: stories ever wrote uh, yeah rogan <laughs> rogan has a bit about that actually in his in his act just talking about how ridiculous it is that we're all that people actually believe a science fiction writer you right. know about all, and it's it's insane. Xenu the Overlord, and there's the wipe out all of these souls called Thetans, and the Thetans try to attack your body, and you're trying to expel these. Not too dissimilar from you know casting out demons from the body. You know right. a lot of these you see some similarities in religions that have been around for a long time you know, creating guilt, creating these, this release of the guilt. So first step a, create guilt. Step B, release the guilt. Step C, make sure you add more guilt, you know, add different facts, fears, install fears that say these things are out of your control. Some other force is going into your body. That's not related to your own mind. And only our technology can expel them. And these are these thetans or whatever fucking crazy shit they have. And then, but that's, all right. So that's one thing. And, and I guess for me, you know, that's that. That would have been kind of like that's fucked up. You know, it's just they're taking advantage of people. They're taking people's money. But then you look at the documentary, and they have like prisons, right? The, that that's the part. So there's a part of me when it comes to
2: different people creating religions, and and it, and you know, it's so funny that we for some reason. A lot of people have, tend to give a pass to something that's been around for a long time. So the idea of something coming in recently seems ridiculous. But yet, you know, when somebody said if we found something written carved into a stone, like if Elron Hubbard was a caveman, he carved a right. story into the walls, it would all of a sudden have some sort of validity because you're just like, no, dude, they knew about it before they was the internet. <laughs> right, like yeah. this is crazy. But for some reason, you know, well, for whatever reason that you create this belief structure that you need to have to find peace or everything like that. That's what you're what you're talking about is exactly where I was like, whoa, was the the human rights side about the mm-hmm. you know of of the people who you know the guy was like openly being interviewed, going, yeah, I got got paid forty dollars a week,
1: yeah, well, <laughs> and the Sea Org people, so they had <laughs> yeah. they created this crazy workforce, which is basically slave labor from people they had guilted and brainwashed and mind-fucked to the point where they're like in this crazy punishment structure where they're not getting paid they're getting paid like eight cents a day or something insane like that and they're scrubbing toilets with toothbrushes and getting beaten and being trapped and removed from their children and part of the cleansing process where he he would throw
2: them overboard yeah
1: like like off the boat 30 of 30 foot fucking just throw them overboard Overboard. just this crazy this crazy paranoid delusional controlling system that it was somewhat voluntary like the people were so brainwashed almost like this crazy stockholm syndrome where they felt so guilty for what they were doing that they were willing to do it but they still had bodyguards prevent them from doing it so whether they were willing or not that line is kind of blurred. blurred and even they were saying like yeah i think we would have stayed even if we could have escaped but there were bars and there was guards but i think we were doing it willingly like they didn't even know they were so fucking Screwed up in the head.
2: Going back, you know, this is kind of a nice little segue into what you've started the conversation with. There's something intoxicating about meeting someone extremely passionate about something. Like, deeply convinced about something. It's intoxicating. It 100% is. There's There's a part of you that sits there and says that when you talk to somebody that someone can sway you, you have to have a lot of wherewithal to to not be swayed by anything. And matter of fact, I don't know if that's necessarily a positive quality is to never to be swayed. You ought to have such a level of, you know, arrogance that you say that I I know everything of all times, you know, you're not an omniscient. But at the same time, you know, so these guys, when you run into a scenario, all these leaders, dictator, or positive leaders, positive world leaders and and, and dictators and 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 crazy rulers and overlords. Like the one thing I think they they had was this ability to just control capture people insofar as the average person, now the skeptical among us, mm-hmm. less likely for this to happen. Because we we delve. We're like, yeah, I'll listen to you, but you yeah, gotta explain a little bit more. Like, you know, like even right. the guy who was there forever and then got to that level where they started exploring Xenu and all this stuff, you're like, Yeah, see, you had to explain this. Now I'm a hundred thousand dollars in, so I'm, my, my cost benefit has tipped. Right. So now I'm just going to stick through. But he's like, if you led with that, I would have ran away. There's no right. way. And so there's he, he's even a skeptic, you know. So you got to figure out a way to get these. But these super people who believe it, who are that passionate, you take notice. Even a crazy person screaming on the subway, you pause for a second and go, what is this guy talking about? Because you sit there and go. He might have something I need to hear. Then he says something stupid, and then you move on. But if he's like, hey, by the way, I just came from there. There's a huge fire. I
1: would listen to him. He seems very – he's very convinced that that happened. Well, people have like – I think one of the most underrated senses that we have is belief detection. Mm -hmm. Like we're very good belief detectors, and I think that's a great part of what charisma is. It's just someone who truly believes – you know, truly believes in what they're saying and what they're doing. They have incredible self-belief and that is part of, it's genuine self-belief. That's really what charisma is. Now, there's two types of people. There's the people who that's coming from a real place because they're competent, they've done the work and they got something to share, you know, or they're a fucking psychopath and they believe shit because they're a psychopath or sociopath and that's just part of a hardware malfunction in their brain, but it's, it's hard to, you know, our belief detection doesn't necessarily always differentiate between the two because we're just detecting belief. Yeah, and you can. And
2: matter of fact, not only that, I mean, even beyond that of a psychopath, if you say that if that is some level of uncontrollable hormonal imbalance, there's something to be said if that's a skill set of yours, you can say whether or not you use it for good or for evil, right? There's a thing that sits there and says that, you know, an Oprah Winfrey, Right. At this moment, she has enough reach. She has enough control over people, not people, over, over her audience, that she could kind of say something even completely outlandish. And there's a percentage of her, her loyal constituents that would literally go, okay, I guess. And even if you second-guessed it, you would believe in it. And it's it's up to her to make that decision to say, I can't say things like that. There's always these conversations, especially now, social media allows your reach a lot further sure. than it really should. You know, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm, it's funny. I'm actually trying to put my thoughts together about that, talking about people taking offensive of things and so on and so forth. But social media has reached so far now that there are a lot of people that have the ability to, to say something. And for some reason, because you're right next to somebody who is famous, right? You have an article from Huffington Post that you don't know if it's, a writer that's been doing political writing for eighty years, or some intern. Yeah, right. You don't know. I mean, did you see that article where a HuffPo, uh, sorry, um, Wall Street Journal posted about uh, about the Chinese president? And it says, uh, and ESPN, ESPN did this a couple years ago with J- Jeremy Lin, where it says, has has uh, has he shown a chink in the armor?
1: <laughs> and, that's hilarious. And you're like,
2: dude. That's the right <laughs> adage. That's that is the right for What are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And 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 you know I don't take offense to it. I laugh. You know, but at the end of the day, but <laughs> what I'm saying is that so people had an uproar because they're like, this is the
1: Wall Street Journal. Yeah, like you, know? you can't talk about a, a cheap African American as niggardly. Right, even though it's not the same word, it's not the same word. <laughs> it's not the That's same not, word, not the same
2: word. <laughs> and, 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 and it's just kind of like you know, and offense can, you know, there's a great phrase from Ricky Gervais that says, offense can only be given. It can never I say only be taken, it can yeah. never be given. And you know for me, theres a, there is a semblance of of that kind of coming from this this reach and this idea that that somebody can have this type of reach and have this type of control, you can use it, for evil. And so you talk or for evil for for ulterior motives, right? So you have someone like Ron L. Hubbard, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, who's who is a a great storyteller. Presumably, I've never read his twelve thousand books or anything like that. Right. Pre- presumably he's a great I see some flaws in his storytelling. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I see right, some yeah, fucking errors, saying, but okay, right. yeah. He, but he's he's presumably a to you need to know presumably he wrote a, a lot. Storyteller. And so at this moment he was he writes in Dianetics to make any real money you start a religion.
1: Yeah. and then he he does that and And then then he starts a religion and then he withholds all of his taxes and and that other crazy story about how you know, again, going on the offense, they owed a billion to the IRS. Well, instead of paying, they just decided to launch twenty four hundred lawsuits against the IRS. Use that as a negotiating ploy, and they fucking beat the IRS. And now they got, yeah, I don't now know they got tax free. Other that's never that. happened. Like, other yeah, I don't know that. if that's ever it's happened. It's like the only person, person ever attacked, attacked the, IRS the IRS and win, and win. Yeah. But it's coming from this crazy place. And what it exposed to me was that there is like, it's. I feel like human beings, all of us, have software vulnerabilities. You know, like if we were an operating system, you know, we're like Windows 98. Like there's some porous ass shit in there. Right. And there's ways and systems that people can exploit to get in there and really fuck things up and and implant a virus that will suck out your money, your resources and send you on this downward spiral. And I think, you know, something that we should all take a look at is like take a look at the human operating system and put up our own firewalls like Absolutely. figure out ways that we can say okay this is wrong you know like these these different ways that people do i mean scientology was involving in this guilt and guilt release mechanism add guilt release guilt add guilt release guilt that's one of the huge huge vulnerabilities in our operating system because inside our own heads we have this incredibly harsh judge all of us do, this critic that is constantly criticizing what we're doing, loving ourselves conditionally based upon the actions that we do. And so anything externally that validates that voice of the judge inside is like a hack into our system and it validates that. And that's the same with an abusive relationship. Someone treats you bad, tells you, you know, you are whatever, diminishes who you are, judges you in that way, if they can do it, in the right way, subtly enough, they will tap into your own, your own kind of judge inside your own head. And then you will internalize that. Yeah, I deserve that. That's the kind of thinking that goes on. And then you will look to them from the, for the release, the validation of that, that love that'll come back, which is the guilt release mechanism. And that's a fucking mechanism that all of us need to track whether we're doing it to ourselves and especially if somebody somebody else else. is doing it in a relationship or a fucking religion or whoever your employer whatever beware of that guilt and guilt release mechanism because that is a huge software vulnerability and i think that also
2: you know it's a great you know i've never heard it spoken in a technological way as much as a techie nerd as i am it's funny i always look at it i talk about how it fascinates me when i see humans when I look at the humans as a human animal, right, as, mm-hmm. as an upright primate uh, with the, you know, enlarged in, in, in frontal lobe, right? The idea that we're just smart animals um, that are capable of, you know, amazing things. But there are certain things that we're still hard-coded, hard-wired. I, I joke about it because every time I think about when I leave the movie theater and we've got a movie theater full of hundreds of people, ceos you and i watch a movie we've got two business owners who are successful who have done our things and then everyone piles into a room to expel waste it's if i looked outside and i saw 78 dogs lined up for a tree to go pee at this one tree it, yeah it would be mind-boggling there there there's a simultaneous the thought process of of intelligence of organization going what in the world is going on while at the same time recognizing that this is a very normal thing. So why wouldn't they? Right. Right. But it's the idea of witnessing that to me, every single time my head goes that direction going, this is the weirdest thing in the world to me. You know, it's, and, and these, it's these hardwired things that make me think about, because anytime I do things, something involuntarily other than breathing, sneezing, whatever the, well even sneezing to a certain degree, like, I try to find the source of that, like why that happened,
1: you know? Yeah, to be free of the compulsions that are... compulsions, I mean, right. some autonomic functions, as you said, are necessary. Are necessary. But be free and become aware. And that's real freedom, you it's know, is being aware of the compulsions. And the irony of this religion, they're talking about mm-hmm. getting clear, but meanwhile they're laying traps all the way through right. different fish hooks that are in people's right. spines. And it's, and it's simultaneously, it's pretty brilliant if you think about it,
2: because that... It's it's like you set a bear trap to catch a bear, you know. Yeah. You set a mouse trap to get a mouse, and they're setting a lot of mouse traps. They're not trying to catch. They're not trying to catch a bear. Yeah. In this, you know, even though somehow they caught a couple celebrities with this yeah. thing, a lot of them actually randomly. But um, that proves the power of the psychological side of it because we are just how We're just hardwired to. Like you said, to have these flaws in the system and it and it could be someone this high who has made this level i mean you think about it in terms of you can have a, a marine who's been had a hundred hours of real battle driven you know uh hardened experience, and he still could be scared of heights or the dark or something because that happened, and you're hardwired from when you were yeah. th- three or whatever reason you know i have a friend of mine who's twice the size of me and is scared of snakes even this big even one that you could he could kill accidentally with his toes you know and he's just terrified of them.
1: and it's just i'm just terrified that there's someone that much bigger than you (laughs) right yeah that 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 terrifies me already well going back to the celebrities (laughs) though you know i think that they made a good point there is that Celebrities like all of us, especially actors and people along that they have insecurities like everybody does, you know, and so if you're capitalizing on those insecurities providing a way to, you know, get past those, then as soon as the mechanism starts in play, and as soon as you have confessions, and there's actual dirt there and then there's a public profile and then there's things you have incredible leverage and then then you're fucked i mean there's a lot of rumors that this whole john travolta gay masseuse thing that came out was due to um was due to the fact that he was going to leave the organization you know that he was going to bounce and then all of a sudden this thing flares up and it's like hey by the way motherfucker we got you yeah you know we got you sorry
2: don't forget yeah you just confessed all this stuff. Yeah, it's like if you took out that little portion of anon- anonymity at Confession for the Catholic Church, and you're just like, wait, hold up. Wait, I just said all this, and they're recording all of yeah, it? Yeah,
1: they're recording it and can use it against me? It's like, I, mean, it's, um, I mean, it's really yeah. crazy. And I think there'll be a time where, obviously, they have entrenched money, and I think they made the point like they're just kind of cool letting their numbers dwindle now because they're so rich because they bought all that real estate. They bought tax-free real estate. They got billions of dollars all over the world. Yeah but it's just this weird force that still is out there it's one of these anomalies in humanity like if you're looking from the alien observation station hypothetically of course and looking down like whoa look at this fucking scientology phenomenon right you know they really it would just be boggling
2: and it's funny you say that from an observation from from the outside looking in because you know again That that is always the the argument. That is the X factor in the argument when you talk about religion. Is that at what point do we determine whether or not my belief structure is valid enough to become one? Um, You know, like there is I think the Simpsons, right? That that made a was it the Simpsons? Maybe it was the Simpsons, or maybe no, no, it was the Family Guy that uh, they had a religion to worship the Fonz. (laughs) <laughs> right, they decided to create one. And, uh, and and so, and it's kind of like, at what point do you sit there and say that whether one is valid or not? I mean, we've have, right now, we're electing the leader of the free world here in a couple, you know, in a year. And one of the huge proponents of this is is what person this, what, what belief structure this person right. has, because there's some inherent things that are tied to it, and they, that's what they say, but for some reason, it's again. If someone says that I believe something that was invented six years ago, you'd be like, "Wait, this guy's a lunatic."
1: Yeah, I. For me, it's uh, I don't struggle with that because for me, any religion should have a very simple criteria that the tenets of it, the core truths, all of that can be reliably achieved, accessed, and understood by everybody. Like they should be able to access those truths themselves without even, you know, without being prod and led down. Without needing
2: certain hierarchy of people. Exactly.
1: So, you know, if, if other people aren't reliably coming to the Xenu, the overlord story without seeding Xenu, the overlord, you know, if everybody was like, you know, everybody in, in meditation on their own without hearing was like. Man, I got this download about Zeno the Overlord and these Thetans. And I'd be like, okay, well, I guess there's something out there about that. Yeah. But one dude came up with that. Right. And nobody else is coming up with that right. except for the people who heard it from that dude. Right. That's not a that's not a valid religion. Right. Like you need to be that's able fair. to reliably get to, and of course some people might be have more access than others, but basically reliably get to the core truths. And then it becomes a show-not tell religion. It's there'll be people who can help bring you. To the library and where you can read from, you know, and that's any that's good religion. Yeah, and
2: I, you know, I just think that, you know, so that the conversations that happen about these type of uh, about an organization like that, I think it's a hu- it's a, such a to me such a fascinating sociological psychological experiment to to watch that to you know or, or study to watch that documentary because you really had to look at it and go, you know, where were these people? in that moment in their head you know i mean i look at it it's just like how we give premise and we give grounds and 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 value to to people who recognize injustice and rise up against it Mm -hmm. you know at the same time it's it's like there is an equal not equal there is a is a poignant amount of almost respect morbid curiosity that that comes from recognizing someone who sees an opportunity and takes it to that level. There's a there's a part of me that goes, like I'm, it's I'm in awe, not in a positive way. Right. I'm in complete awe that this guy saw this opening and then just ran with it. You know, like there's all these thoughts. There's joke. There, there's thoughts like that. The guy who invented the pet rock. You know, I think about that and I'm just like, <laughs> man, like how long did that take? You know, and 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 he did it, and he made however much money, and 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 moved on with his life, and and again, that might be my entrepreneurial brain, but I and I sit there and I say, how, like, where did this guy come up with this and see and see that the road you're supposed to? I think that about you and know, I had that conversation over dinner a little while ago to say, you know. Where do you see you know how what what eyes do you see like you know do you when you what what do you see through your eyes when you look at a company and you look at where to take your brand and where to take you know this what how to take this direction and and some people have that vision mm-hmm. and some people don't yeah and for him to have that vision and, and 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 simultaneously be enough sociopathic that that he doesn't recognize this as being wrong either he does or He doesn't doesn't care, or he, which I feel more realistically, he just really doesn't even see it.
1: He's blinded.
2: He's blinded. Just says that this is this necessary. You know, you you crack a couple eggs to make an omelet. That's just a necessary thing.
1: Yeah, all these rationalizations and justifications and all of these things that allow people. I think people are inherently. I think people are inherently good. I really do believe that. I think deep down they. You know, we have to operate from it's very rare that person that's intentionally doing evil. Agreed. You know, I think, I think so. you just rationalize yeah, and justify, people. um, you know, all the reasons that get away that allow you to do this. And and I think that's just a trick of the brain because we want to think of ourselves as good, you know, for the most part. There's and
2: a there's a there's a thought that I that, that bounces in my brain. At least a couple times a week, and and it's the idea of being transference from a genetic level about goodness and morality on a genetic level, because there's something to be said that 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 if inherently if we're able to pass on, badness, then the tendencies for those people to not be able to procreate. There's an idea that bounces my head is that that blind people smile. People that were born blind still smile. Mm. There's there's children that are blind that smile and giggle and goo, Mm -hmm. which which to me, is a genetic thing because they've never seen smile. They're not mimicking. It's the idea that you have endorphins and happiness and the corners of your mouth turn up. And the idea is that a complete sadomasochist would smile as he's hurting himself or hurting someone there's an idea of someone who it, who revels in hurting someone would still smile like you talk about psychopathic people like psychos yeah. that go in there and are a murderer and you look at him and they're laughing covered in blood or something you know we see it in movies and stuff but they're expressing happiness now where that happiness causes a whole bunch of heart torment to everybody does it, it you know it's irrelevant but the idea is that genetically we're hardwired that this thought creates this physical response so there's an idea that that genetic movement has been passed on. There's a con- there's a conversation that says that you know we're we're one of the only sexual beings that actually we're one of the few sexual beings that 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 has sex for pleasure and not for procreation. There's a theory in my brain that maybe it was painful to a certain subsect of humans, and those people just never bred.
1: Right. Yeah, of course, that wouldn't get passed on. It
2: wouldn't get passed on. Yeah. There was a there's a subsect of humans that developed and they had barbs all up on their <laughs> on their, you know, on their body parts. And it was extremely painful. And then they're like, dude, like, we're just not yeah, going to have the, any kids. Yeah, like, that it would, gonna, yeah,
1: that wouldn't even get to that point. We
2: would because, never get that
0: point
1: because, yeah, the, the way that the system is built.
2: But this allow.
0: genetic
1: defect that
2: made it pleasurable. They had 87 kids yeah and they're passing that on and so there's a part of me that sits there and says that that you're saying that people are inherently good because the inherently good it takes a village to to, to lift us all up sure. and so that and there's also up.
1: there's just checks and balances in play like if you're studying the phenomenon and mirror neurons there's actual neurons in your brain that will mirror the, emo- the emotions of the people who right. are around you right so whenever you're doing something that's hurting somebody else you're hurting yourself by that very process the neurons in your own brain are firing to mimic the pain of the person around you so it's this built-in system you create happiness you get happiness you create pain you get pain it's a it's a built-in neurological hardwired function of humans that you know accentuates that fact that we're here for each other's you know, to provide pleasure. Yeah. yeah. And you have, to, and you have
2: to develop that. I think that that's necessary because again, that's necessary because we're pretty fragile. You really think about it as far as, no doubt, you know, from birth, not till, enough
1: hugs and not enough sex will make an asshole. Yeah. Reliably, reliably, like, and, reliably,
2: and even be, from birth to for pretty long into life before we are self-sustainable, you know yeah. what I mean. And you know, in grand scheme of things, you know, you're talking about you know sharks are attack ready thirty seconds after they're born or whatever it is, you know. And it's kind of like so. In in so far as that goes, you know, the idea of that quality is is very very valuable because you need to be able to sit there, walk down the street, recognize that there's a baby crying, and you need to empathize with it. If you don't, if that the thing is empty, that that child being in pain or that person being in pain if you lose that empathy the humanity of it all kind of goes away and then we as a society would have crumbled a long time ago the idea that and and that's what we're talking about we've reached a point of intelligence and societal in my opinion luxury that we can kind of go against some of these hardwired things where i've i've met people in recent years say in the last 10 years that I believe started instead of having this mimicking idea, I think have have gotten to this idea that that happiness is a finite resource. That if you are twice as happy as me, you've taken away yeah. access to certain amount of happiness. It's a, a zero sum it's a game. It's a people game.
1: create people create zero sum games out of situations out of that, are that are not, not. zero sum. Like love, affection. <laughs> That's right. You know, all kinds of shit. All
2: kinds of shit. And 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 I've realized that more prominently. Social media is full of it, even just among friends, that you don't realize that when somebody gets unhappy or or frustrated or angry at somebody else's actions that has nothing, 0% to do with themselves, it it confounds me because moments ago you didn't even know this person was doing that. They might have been doing that their whole life. Mm-hmm. And for now you're aware you can no longer live your life because you feel like, oh, you're taking more than your share of happy. Why are you doing so happy? I'm right. not happy about that. I don't get to do that. Then, you know, I'm doing that. And so there's a part of me that I feel like we've reached a pinnacle of, of entitlement and luxury that allows us the freedom to be dicks, to be these kind of assholes that, well, that yeah, think I, that way.
1: I think, well, we may have on a material sense, a maybe material more sense. advanced Absolutely than ever, mind. but then on a fundamental Core sense, I think we're as empty as ever. I mean, I think yeah, the, more empty, the, less connected. Yeah, I mean less self love, and I, and I think that's if you're talking about the best defense for any of these software vulnerabilities or any kinds of issues, two things you got to think about. One. How much do you love yourself? Because if you love yourself fully and you're actually, you're not judging yourself and despising yourself and saying that you're a piece of shit for this or that, that's what creates vulnerability. If you love yourself, no matter what, if your business fails, if you know, you're having sex and you're Boner goes limp, or any of these situations that we antagonize ourselves brutally for. If we mitigate those and we love ourselves evenly and say, Look, I'm imperfect. I fuck up all the time, but that's cool. I still love myself. I know who I am, and I love that. I love that being that's the best defense. And then the best motivation, you know, for me, and and the best way to make sure you're doing what you want is to have genuine empathy. Like if you really care about the happiness of others and you love yourself. Mm You got ninety nine percent of this shit figured out. The rest is going to be fucking gravy because you are going to have the defense and you are going to have the motivation to go out and do some good shit. Self love and empathy. I think I would add in there the self
2: love, empathy, the honest, the self honesty and self awareness. I don't think we're as introspective as a, as a society, true. as a people, as as we need to be, as we should be. Uh, you know, I'm I'm insatiably curious, and so whenever mm-hmm. I feel a certain way, there's a tendency for me to to dwell on it to figure out why, and uh, that's something that I've always had. It's something that my I maybe I don't know if my family instilled in me. I'm assuming that so, um, I'll have to think about it. Just the idea is that the introspection that that when you look at something and you feel a certain way about something, this what you love or don't love about yourself, you should. Introspectively dissect that, Mm -hmm. break it down, and get it down to its empirical level, because I think the tendency is for people to not realize what truly is making them happy and what truly is making them unhappy. And and they sit there and they think, for instance, you know, forever for whatever reason, you do action A because you think action A is what happened. But the, the action A has 17 rewards to it. And you only need one of those 17. You have 16 different things that actually cause harm. So maybe you can just pick one that has that exact action. Yeah. you know, it's, it's the idea that I don't think enough people, I mean, relationships is a perfect example where you're looking for someone who understands A, B, and C about you, but you don't realize those things about yourself. You don't know those things. And so you happen to stumble upon someone who strikes a chord with this thing about you that you really love, but you have no idea. So all, everything else about them is wrong, but they struck that one chord that you were looking for and you never took the time to say, that's the chord I need struck.
1: Or maybe it's not the cord you Or need maybe start. the struggle is yeah, some yeah. deficiency or exactly, something that yeah. you're not providing yourself 100%. that you're using a surrogate to get. And then you get all crazy and it's like that country song where you're shining lights on the door and throwing beer cans at her shadows. Right. You know, it's, you get all kind of fucked in the head. And right. again, yeah. So that self introspection is key. I've used a lot of different things. The float mm-hmm. tank can do that. The plants have helped me do that. And just general self introspection, knowing when. You're being a dick, knowing when you're not, and it's not hating yourself for that, but just being like, "Oh, whoa, I gotta kind of reflect here Correct. and and see where where my force, you know, the impact that my force is having." Yeah, we have we we
2: we we've reached a level of ego as a whole. I think that there's come the degree of solipsis that's kind of like we're so like we're in the center of our own universe, and then we should be, but there's a part where you don't realize that even within yourself a little mini universe affects the actions that happen beyond. I mean, for me, I'm generally pretty even keel but you can tell you know I, my family went through some tragedy a couple of weeks ago and I was a little on edge you know sure. I couldn't I couldn't deal with stress the, the way that I've always dealt with it and and it's kind of like one of the things that I had to combat it like I had to realize that I sat there and say, this when I'm normally doing this, but today, I'm 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 my my reserves are low, no doubt. so I'm not going to deal with this. How helpful
1: was it for you? I, I've been noticing you've been writing a lot of poetry lately. How useful is that for you as far as processing it these emotions? It
2: is one of the more cathartic things um, that I can do. Poetry it's one of those things again whether or not you're good or bad at it is completely relative right I mean it's 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 objective Mm -hmm. subjective um and so for me it really is the idea in order for you to write or to draw or to do anything you have to align your thoughts like you have to sit here and collect everything put it in a way and then execute it through this vessel um whether it be art or whether it be writing, and so for me, writing is um, a way for me to sit there and go, "How am I feeling? I yeah. know I'm sad, but what am I sad about? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sad about this. This is why. And so, how? What words can I use to express that? And it it forces you to to really solidify these things. And it go. And again perfect example is that that release right that guilt release the idea that i can take this where this pain is going box it up take it put it into this little thing and then and then send it out to the world and be kind of be free of it um it's it's so cathartic for me because it is one of those things that i have the tendency to to just need to get it out of my head
1: no doubt yeah that's that's huge it's something that i've gone back to a lot and sometimes it's great to publish them and sometimes it's great to keep, them your, keep own, them your own. but getting them out on paper is great and i think for a lot of people who are hesitant to that say oh i'm not a good writer i'm not a good artist i think you got to look at you know the words The words are not the craft of the poet they're the obstacle like they're just getting in the way of you expressing your emotions most clearly the you know the medium the paintbrush the pen the charcoal whatever that's not your craft that's getting in the way of you expressing what you're trying to express through your art that's a symbol that's getting there so just express it the best way that you can with there all of these tools are clumsy the words are clumsy the you right. know no matter if you're shakespeare or not the words are still clumsy they're in the way of the pure ideas and so just getting them out you know like don't worry about your skill in this in the symbolism and and then the skill in symbolism
2: comes comes with you just like any other skill set just like any other muscle comes from you comes from repetition it comes from reading a lot more because when you sit here and read a lot of poetry then you go man I know exactly how this person is feeling mm-hmm. and then I never thought about expressing it that way or I didn't realize that I can express light by using dark colors or whatever it right. is these skills and so um, you know, I think that you're absolutely right. I feel like people are scared because, again, this judgment, this this insecurity, this idea that someone's going to say it's not good, and like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. You know, you're not, you're, I don't think you're doing it the right way. I, I would care if I was doing it as a business. Yeah. And I'm concerned about it as a product, about whether or not somebody's going to buy it. Right. Okay. But in the end of the day, like
1: writing a screenplay.
2: Right. Writing a screenplay. So you say that you have to have some semblance of, whatever you don't know what you're doing yeah. but the other way around for me um i love reading other people's poetry and i yeah. love i love somebody who's a, who's a who who are insatiable writers and who, who people who who try to release these kind of thoughts because again i i feel and again i could be wrong i feel that these people have the the common ground for me as to say that they, they dive into their own head a lot and then they come up and they go, look, I found a boot. Yeah. yeah and, hey, yeah. look, I found a gold, you know yeah. I mean? These kind of things. And that's true. I mean, there are some times where I, I, I start a, po- I have a, I have a, you know, a note on my phone. That's just full of just things that I'm driving. And then I'm like, Hey, remember this. Cause this is a great line. And I don't know mm-hmm. why I was feeling it, but maybe it'll come into, turn into a poem later. Um, but sometimes it doesn't but it's kind of like the idea of people who have that mentality of going into themselves and coming out with something i think makes the world better i think it makes them better you know
1: no doubt my brother no doubt well people if you're in austin go to swift static for sure for sure go to swift static um follow this man my good friend ck chin online um what's your what's your twitter handle
2: uh, S-E-E-K-A-Y-C-H-I-N, C-K-H-N, right. just spelled out.
1: Not that. And uh, anything else, anywhere other, other people can reach you and, uh, and kind of reach out?
2: I mean, I'm pretty active on social media. Wu Chow opens up shortly. Yeah. You know, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, we're that. aiming for October if, if, if the city um, permits us. I to have to sacrifice a goat on the steps or something like that to make it happen. City likes that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know, but I can say that that's my belief structure, yeah. you know, maybe we'll make it work. Zeus is hidden somewhere. You know, city hopefully hall. hopefully that works. Um but other than that, you know, I, I love to I love interacting with people and I love uh I love this. And I love what you're doing and uh, you know, continue continuing on and uh We'll do this. We'll do, my brother. Glad yeah.
1: we got to lay this down. Yeah, when you get, get back the, on here,
2: I'll be on the the billion podcast followers. <laughs> yeah, Hell exactly. We on that
1: one. <laughs> we'll go ten million. Okay, Guaranteed. ten million. Let's do ten, 10 million. million. Guaranteed, done. I'll, I'll be here. All right, my man. All Good right, to bro. have you on. So much love, everybody. Peace.